0: Lord, Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the blessed opportunity you've given us to be able to gather in your house and to study your word. Help us now as we continue our studies in the book of Revelation to understand it and apply it in the right way. Lead, guide, and direct all this as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Picking it back up in our Exploring the Word series in the book of Revelation in chapter 11 get right into it here in chapter 11. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Now, like a rod, a reed like a rod. A rod was a measuring stick, kind of like we think of a yardstick. The rod was used for that purpose. It was a specific length and it was used to measure the large areas. And that's what he was instructed to do. To measure the temple. As it continues, but the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles. Now as you know in the Old Testament, the Jews would not allow a Gentile to enter into the temple. They considered a sacrilege. And this is showing that when they go and reestablish worship in the temple during a tribulation time, it will be the Orthodox Jews that reestablish that temple and the worship therein, and going back to the Old Testament ways, keeping the Gentiles out into the courtyard area. Read 2 again. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy cities shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. This forty and two months is the three and a half years. Reads, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. There again, a thousand... Two hundred and three score days is three and a half years. He's getting into talking about the difference between the first half of the tribulation and the second half of the tribulation. Now the witnesses come on the scene very early on in the beginning of the tribulation, not at the midpoint. So this is a reference to things being done during the midpoint, but it's also speaking of going back to where the witnesses began right from the beginning to to witness. As it continues, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand and two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth, prophesied in the Old Testament and being fulfilled. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth. Now, this. Fire coming out of their mouth could be literal fire or it could be just the power of the spoken word coming out of these witnesses because you see how much power, as it continues, how much power has been given to them. He said, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So they've been given great power and it is used in a manner to try to draw people to the Lord, not just punishing those that have not come to the Lord, but the whole purpose of this, these judgments coming upon the people is to get their attention and to bring them to the Lord, which is the two witnesses' main purpose. It reads, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. This is going to be right at the midpoint of the tribulation. After that, three and a half years of them preaching and and witnessing, then they are killed. And that is when the Antichrist is going to basically start a war against Israel. And the worship that they were being able to enjoy in the temple will be ceased at that point as we continue to see what happens. And killed them, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Talk about in Jerusalem. Now this temple, go back a little bit of background information on this. This temple will be built on the current site of where the other temples have been built in the past. And currently there's a mosque in that location. You see the pictures of Jerusalem and you see the golden dome on the rock there and so forth. It's in that area is where the, this temple is going to be built. So you know that the Muslims will not have power or authority of any sort during that tribulation time because they're gonna be wiped out during the battle of Gog and Magog. So here we see the reestablishment of a temple, building a temple. The temple has not been built yet so this temple will have to be built right at the beginning parts of the tribulation time. Now the stones needed to build this temple have already been crafted. For many years now they've been working on getting what needs they have to put together to build this temple. Including even the implements, the 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 bowls and the containers and basins and all that, just like described in the Old Testament, they are crafting that, they are storing that, they are ready to build that temple. So when this all kicks in, they'll be able to go right to work, build that temple at the beginning part of the the tribulation time, and then at the midpoint of the tribulation time, they'll be kicked out of that by Satan, as we further see here. So these two witnesses, it's a a lot of speculation on who these two witnesses are, some say that it's going to be Moses and Elijah. Because of the kinds of powers that they have been displaying here, it speaks of, with the plagues and the fire and so forth, that they think it's going to be Moses and Elijah. And also because Moses and Elijah appeared with the Lord on Mount of Transfiguration when the, some of the apostles were able to witness that, they think, okay, they must be the two witnesses that are going to be the two in the time of the tribulation. But we're not given their names. Some have said that it's going to be Enoch and Elijah, and based on that, that the Word of God says that is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. So they have never died. Elijah and Enoch were both raptured up. Moses died. So for that argument, it would be an Enoch and Elijah. And another argument in that direction is that Enoch would be the witness of what was prior to the major judgment of the flood upon the planet. Elijah after the flood. So using that as a division point of a witness before the flood, a witness after the flood. So there's a lot of arguments on both, ways, both ideas of whether it's Enoch and Elijah or Moses and Elijah. But everybody seems to agree that Elijah is going to be one of these two witnesses because of other references in the prophecies. But we're not given the names, so it really doesn't matter which ones the Lord chooses. It's the two witnesses He's going to give power and authority to be able to do this, such things. And they will be killed, and they'll be lying in that street. In verse 8 again, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of The great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. So basically the whole world is going to be able to see this. When this was written, there was no way that could have been fulfilled. But now with today's technology... With the internet and with television and with smartphones and everything, social media, they'll be very understandable that their image of them lying there dead on that street is going to be able to be shown to all nations. As it continues, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. So they're going to love it that that the uh, devil has killed these two. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them, raptured up. See, they died. And then they get their glorified body, and they're raptured up. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Notice that was what they want to accomplish: to give glory to God. So all these things going on is scares some people into yes, I need to trust in the Lord. I need to know that this is real. We got to turn to the Lord, not to Satan. All right, in verse 14, we see a shift in the timeline again. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, verse 15, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord is speaking of how the availability of salvation and a relationship with God is spread to all nations. just like he tells us, to whosoever, not just to the Jews. So he's pointing out here how that there are kingdoms of, of all peoples that have turned to the Lord. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying... We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry. Now these nations are the various peoples that have not turned to the Lord. They're angry, they're upset, still in defiance. Saying we give the thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and west and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto the servant, thy servants. Now these dead he's speaking of here are the spiritually dead being judged. And here, where he's talking about the rewards is those that are the Christians that will receive a reward. Not damnation, but will receive reward. As I said there again, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Now this ark of his testament, testament also means covenant. So ark of the covenant. Not the very same ark of the covenant that Moses had constructed by the instructions of the Lord. Because what Moses had constructed back then was modeled after this ark that is in heaven. And that ark was most likely destroyed when the Babylonians raided the temple and trashed everything. And even in 70 AD, when they burned the whole place down, even melted the gold implements and everything, and had to tear the stones down to try to get to the gold, I think. And in one of those times in history that this was... the Ark of the Covenant that was made by Moses was destroyed. Some say that, well, no, the original box still exists, or original Ark, I should say, still exists in a temple down in Ethiopia and that is being protected by people devoted to protect it. Even if that original container that was back there, Moses used, it's the Spirit of God came out of that and was no longer any power left in that, so it's just a historical relic now that one but this one he's speaking of here is the true and original the one with the testament with the covenant with the contract of israel the reason is being mentioned here is most likely pointing out that he is still obligated and committed to fulfill the covenant of the protection of the children of israel and the salvation of them all right, we'll run into chapter 12. And we get a little bit of a, a look at some history here. He's in there, "...appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars." This is speaking of Israel, the twelve stars, the twelve tribes of Israel. So this woman is betrayed as Israel, the Jews. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And did cast him to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now this is Satan trying to destroy Jesus Christ before his birth or at his birth. We go back to the accounts we have in the in the Gospels about Herod and sending the magi and so forth, and let him know where. Jesus was born and so forth. And then Herod having all those youngsters killed because he missed out on being able to kill Jesus, thought he'd just blanket the area and kill all the babies. That was all an attempt by Satan to kill Jesus Christ. That's what he's speaking of here. What he's talking about here in chapter 12 of Revelation is not a future event. This is looking back at what has already happened. A little bit of history given to us here. And she brought forth a man-child, which is Jesus Christ. Who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne? Because we know right now Jesus Christ sitting on the right hand of the Father, Our great high priest reads, "And the woman fled into the wilderness." Now verse six takes a jump into the midpoint of the tribulation. So what I was talking about earlier about how things seem to jump back and forth, it gets a little confusing sometimes. Now here the woman fleeing, you can go back to Matthew chapter twenty four and twenty-five, and it has the Lord's teaching about the last days, and he's talking about don't go back down to your house to grab anything, you to flee. When you hear the, the sound of needing to go, you need better to get going, because this is that time that he's speaking of here. And this is the midpoint of tribulation after killing those witnesses, and then Satan's gonna set himself up as God in the temple when he indwells the beast. So he kicks the Jews out. They flee to the mountains of Megiddo and they are protected there by the Lord during the second half of the tribulation. We did it again in verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Three and a half years. The second half of the tribulation. The Jews that get to do this, that get to go to the Area to be protected, will be protected by God all through the second half of the tribulation. Now there are still people that have not turned to the Lord yet that are still out there that can still get saved that will be having quite a challenging time during that second half of the tribulation. Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Now this is an event that has yet to come to be and this is going to be speaking of a battle of Satan and his angels, his demons, against the Lord and the angels that will yet happen. reason there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. So want a place found any more in heaven? Did the dragon and his angels have a place in heaven? Do they have a place in heaven today? Well, yes, actually, they still have access. The devil still has access to the throne of God. He is the great accuser. He goes before God and accuses the saints. He accuses Christians. Whenever you do something wrong, he loves it because he takes that and goes back and says, look, that's not one of your followers. They're one of our followers. And accuses the saints before the Lord. Well, that will not be available to Satan anymore. At this point here, to midpoint of tribulation, he gets cast down to the earth, completely cast away, never to be able to come up against the saints in accusation and the throne like he did before. Reason prevail not, neither was there place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Because that's what he'd been doing all this time up there, accusing and so forth which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Now these that are overcomers here are those that are willing to die for their faith and trust in the Lord. These he's referring to here are those in the past that have been killed for being a Christian as well as those during the tribulation time that will refuse to take the mark of the beast and will go all the way to their death and not turn against the Lord and and they will be saved, given a glorified body and live forever. But here that they did not love their physical lives enough to deny the Lord and follow Satan. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. This is where he gets cast out. He comes down. He indwells the Antichrist, the beast that is known in here. He speaks of the beast in chapter 13. So he indwells that beast. Now, at the midpoint of the tribulation, someone will try to kill the Antichrist. And Satan will heal him of that great wound. And at that healing is when he indwells that beast. Now the word Antichrist is only found in the writings of the small epistles of 1 John. We use that reference all through when we're speaking of the beast in Revelation, but you'll not see him identified as Antichrist in the book of Revelation. He's identified as the beast. All right, let's read 12 again. Therefore, rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast out, Unto the earth he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. That was more persecution against the children of Israel. It reads, and to the woman were given two wings of an eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place. That we read about earlier in, I believe, verse 6 there about how they fled. Yes, where it reads, and the woman fled into the wilderness. That's a reference to that. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and as times and a half a time. In other words, three and a half years. From the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth waters as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now many have taken this reference to this flood And have totally bizarre belief that this is speaking of the great flood of the judgment days of Noah. Noah and the great flood that come upon the planet, they refer that to this. Well, no, this is not speaking of that whatsoever. This will not even be a literal water. This is representative. This is symbolic. And it's talking about the flood of influence, the flood of evil, the flood of What Satan is teaching and convincing others, that is the big wave that is coming to try to destroy all the believers in the Lord and all of the Israelites. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. As we've been given reference to, the woman was being protected by the Lord in the wilderness and that He feeds them and protects them. And that's speaking of that protection there. reads verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This war, this effort, and all this coming about at the midpoint of the tribulation. And then as we get into chapter 3, we see the description of the two beasts. Now these two beasts are going to be the, the Antichrist and the false prophet. The false prophet is basically the assistant to the beast, the Antichrist. Satan has been a counterfeiter all the way through history. And here we see he's counterfeiting the Trinity the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's counterfeiting it with him, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So you got him and those two beasts. So he's trying to set himself up as God, so he's counterfeiting presenting himself as a Trinity as well. So he's got these two beasts and himself. And he goes up against all of the believers at this midpoint and they get cast out. Of that temple, they flee to the mountains of Megiddo, protected there for the second half, as Satan sets himself up as God in that temple. And you can go back into Daniel and see the prophecies of this. It's talk, it talks about the the desolation of the temple, and that would be found in Daniel. But that's all we have time for today. Let's go ahead and stop. We'll pick it back up in chapter 13 next time. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You all so much for the many things that You have available for us and the availability to study some of this stuff to prepare us as we look around. We see the signs of the times. We see the stage being set for all this to be initiated. Help us get so excited and motivated that we go out and reach more before all this gets initiated and begins. We thank You all so much for the opportunity you've given us to be a part of Your work. We pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.